everyone, and welcome back to the Fan Fiction Tapes. I'm your host today, Maya Prennance, she, her, and today, I am joined by... Elizabeth, I am the guest, pronouns she, her. And I am our producer, Ian, pronouns he, him. Today's topic is all about canon, fanon, and the original content Terminator line, which I am obligated to inform you all is yet another Mayaism. So... For those of you who may not be familiar with the first two terms, and for all of the listeners, what do they mean? Canon, in this context, is just referring to what is actually within the original work itself. What information is directly or sometimes implicitly stated about the universe and the characters of that world. Uh, canon is... You know, if an event is canon, it is something that happens within that work, or the work states has happened. Fanon is a portmanteau of fan and canon, and is usually something that is not canon, or not explicitly canon, but is commonly taken by the fandom to be canon. Or a portion of the fandom. Or a portion of the fandom. Not all of these are universal. It does not need to be universal to be a fan. And just, it's usually commonly accepted. Again, that's not a hard and fast rule. People can have their own individual fanons. And the original content Terminator line, uh, which I was inspired to call it that after reading a What If article by Randall Monroe, a lot of times with a user, which we've talked about previously on the podcast, you can start to wonder when it might just be more worth it to take the concept and just make your own thing rather than having to distort things to fit uh, within the existing material. Uh, because there is kind of a line of where it might be better to just file off some of the serial numbers uh, and write Twilight. I had to make the joke, sorry. <laughs> Twilight is True Blood fan fiction, and are, are you are you thinking Fifty Shades? It's Fifty Shades, I thought. Yeah, Fifty Shades is Twilight fan fiction. And then Twilight. Oh wait, is tr True Blood fan fiction. Oh, I had it backwards. I thought it was uh, Twilight was Fifty Shades fan fiction. Oh Jesus, no! God no! <laughs> no! No! <laughs> it's the other way around. <laughs> it's very, very much the other way around. Anyway, I mean, we we, we got what you meant. Um, but, I mean, Twilight did rip off True Blood in many respects, so, whatever. I, I would like to mention something that um, I, I just noticed isn't really in the script, which is that oftentimes there are levels to both canon and fanon. Oh, absolutely. Like, hard canon is, is the way that you, you mentioned in, in the, the definition section here, which... You know, it's in the text either um, directly or implicitly. But then there's also like uh, word of God, so-called, right. where, you know, it's not written in, but the author has stated that it's either in their world-building document yeah. or whatever. And then you get like what—TV Tropes calls it word of St. Peter— which is where it's not the author themselves, but somebody else who is involved in the production of it. Like, I guess it's like the actor who portrays that character, for instance, or like sure. the 
a close collaborator with the author or something of that sort. Yeah, I, I have a question. Would um, Tolkien's son saying something be word of God or would that be word of St. Peter? Word of St. Peter. Yeah, more along those lines. Like, he was the editor of the Silmarillion and, like, sort of collated the manuscripts after J.R.R.'s death. I, I think there is... I think there is some dispute as to exactly how much material he wrote himself, hmm. which may have some funny implications for uh, when the material enters um, public domain in the future, but <gasps> that's a little off topic. That is interesting. Yeah, the um, the, the levels of canon were definitely like, because um, I, I kind of mentioned like there's, there's the harder stuff, the stuff that's explicit and some people will even go well no if it's not uh if it's only implicit then that doesn't make it as canon it's like if it's not in the text then it's then it's not then it's not considered canon for example like yeah there's there's a lot of levels to it um and my approach with it is kind of something that i got from um i don't know how many folks are familiar with the panda red a um youtuber and tiktoker who does comic based uh shorts i don't even really read comics no same i don't read batman but his batman skits are hilarious yeah um as he said his approach to it is basically everyone's canon is different and it's shaped by his experience with comics being such a long-running uh media form with theoretically the same characters means yeah oh my god and a bunch of different writers means there's going to be different interpretations of the characters that are all canon uh, technically that is an interesting sort of thing that that you brought up because that makes me think of the various ghosts in the shell adaptations and like how much how much of those how, how much is is canon to each it's it's like how how what is like my canon versus like i don't know the, the strict canon of say ghost in the shell standalone complex or the the Oshimamoru movies or whatever. And exactly. Like, and that brings me sort of to like, I think it's useful to, and we haven't, I don't think it's in the script, but did we, I think it's meant, it's useful to mention the concept of headcanon. And I think a headcanon essentially is the smaller version of fanon. Like fanon is essentially a headcanon that a lot of different fans have. I would say it's a very pithy, simple way of putting it, but that's basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah, the term the term's not in the script, but I would say that definitely is one of the levels of fanon. <laughs> but yeah, the the that idea about um, adaptation is also a, a good thing to mention with with regards to canon, because when you have a story that's adapted from one medium to another, oftentimes there are changes made to the story to try and better fit the new medium. Or just for the heck of it, just because like yeah. the author wants to make a certain change, wants to add a certain spin on it. And usually there's, when you, when you have a change of medium, there's a change of authorship as well. When you take a book and make a movie out of it. Usually the author of the book and the screenwriter aren't the same person. And usually when it comes to, to cinema... Right. I think most people consider the director to right. be the author of that. Um, Under sort of more like traditional auteur theory. 
I yes. Guess. Yeah. Although with film, it's like it's all a collaborative process, and there's to some degree, and so there's there's ambiguity there. But yeah. Oh yeah, film, film and television, including animation, is m- a lot more collaborative. There are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I think too many cooks. Related to that, something that's important for this episode to mention is that I, I kind of was starting to say this, and then I got a little distracted uh, in the conversation tilted elsewhere. We ADHD talking hour, folks. Is that there's going to be different canons. There's going to be things that are mutually exclusive. Um, and that's okay, right? Things don't necessarily need to be perfect, and someone else's canon, it's okay if their canon disagrees with yours. That reminds me of something interesting. Like, there, I mean, this this goes back all the way to, like, how the, the, the word canon was, like, sort of first used in, like, biblical stuff. Like, I, there, I mean, from what I understand, like, there are points where the four Gospels don't line up exactly. Like, there are contradictory mm-hmm. things in, like, Mark, Luke, Matthew, especially John, because John diverges and is written much later. But, like, but all of them are part of the Bible and therefore canon. And it's like, how do you square that, like, theologically? And, and like, and that's, that's just a, as well as just sort of, like, on sort of a... Um, even like a narrative standpoint, not just sort of like what that means for like Christian theology. It's also like, how can we like, it's essentially, how do you have like varying interpretations of what you consider to be the same essence, the same, the same basic stuff, even it, it, like, how, how do you, how can you consider that the same basic stuff, even if like the, the, the manifestations thereof are different. And some, some people, I mean, we're, I guess we're getting to go back to sort of modern, like fandom and fanon and canon interpretations. Like some people don't like, some people will consider like such and such, like a different one adaptation to be like of a different essence than another. I think the idea of canon as applying to, uh, works of media other than you know the Christian Bible is a very modern fandom thing. Yeah, that's true. Because like yeah. I guess for the for the um for like the longest time you have like stories that are transmitted either orally or through like like copying manuscripts out, and the variants are. I mean, I guess you have like a lot like Shakespeare basing his like his plays on like Italian models, for instance. And I'm, I feel like there's, there's not really one canon. It's just like different ways of telling either the same story or different stories with the same characters. It's like, there wasn't as much focus on To my knowledge, at least there's, there's not as much focus on like, must you reconcile these, 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 these things? How do you, how do you determine the truth? Yeah, that is interesting. It's not something I can speak much to because uh, I haven't seen really much of fandom prior to the 2020s. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I can I, I can speak to to it like at least from 2011 onward. So, then how important is canon? It depends. 
Yeah. It really um, depends. It really depends. I mean, ultimately, I think the best answer I, I can give to that is however much you want it to matter. Because there are stories where I think that contemplating canon and sticking with it can be important, depending on what you're trying to do. Sometimes, meh. The canon isn't really yeah. important to the story you're trying to tell. For me, a lot of times, what I am most invested in is not necessarily the canon events and the plot or the setting, but the characters. I like Same, putting the Blurbos honestly. in situations. And, like, I think most of my first uh, fics that I wrote were all just things of, like, okay... I want to take these characters and I'm putting them in a new box. Have fun. I I actually don't know if I've ever written anything that is theoretically canon compliant or is canon compliant. I haven't written all that many fics, but I would say a good chunk of the ones I've written have at least attempted to be canon compliant and those that aren't canon compliant sort of they still they'll still they're sort of for one of a nail type things. Um where it's, I, I, I try to have canon compliancy in all but one or two aspects. Um, like, I, I'm, I wrote a, um, a Ghost in the Shell standalone complex fan fiction where essentially it's like, what would change if, if the major Kusanagi Motoko was trans? Like, how, how would that, how would that sort of, how would that impact the events of the story? And I don't think it, like, the reason the thing I came up with was that it didn't really impact the events of the, the, the broader events of the story. It was more in the particulars of, of, um, of like the characters, like sort of interactions and the psychology behind all of it. It was more of, um, a manifestation of my headcanon <laughs> that, that Modoka could very conceivably be trans, um, based on like, I guess most of it's just vibes to be honest, as well as the sort of general transhumanist themes of Ghost in the Shell. But um, I guess that ties into sort of like Fanon as like an extrusion. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but sort of as a man of, as, as arising from canon versus Fanon that is sort of maybe not necessarily in direct opposition to canon, but Fanon that doesn't really care about canon. And I, I tend to have fanon that tries to care about canon, usually. I I have some stuff that kind of tends to care about canon, but... Again... The canon isn't what interested, interests me. I, I just went and counted. I have a single fic that I've written that is canon compliant, and that one I created as a gift to a friend. Because for me, I, I don't think canon's necessarily that important, and some of that's some of that's shaped, I think, by the fandoms I'm in, where there's a lot of parts where the canon is just kind of ass, or at the very least, I think it is. I mean, actually, we could talk about this because the the Percy Jackson show just ended. I was just saying, like, I I really I I know the, I know the pain of having canon that is ass, and yeah, therefore it's like there's less respect for it in that instance. Yeah, um, I think Rick Riordan had the feelings of his own canon was ass when he was getting involved with the show, 
um, because the show makes a lot of pretty significant changes from the book. Maybe not ass, but just like, I was inexperienced and this is how I would revise it. Yeah, um, and honestly, I th- I'm fine with a lot of the changes. Uh, some of them I think are really good. I don't want to necessarily get into them uh, because I I think some of them are best uh, if you aren't expecting them. But I that's definitely one. For me, the big thing that was like, bro, your ass, and I, I've mentioned this before on the show, I love Riordan's work. I am a big fan. But he done fucked up about the ADHD meds. And to his credit, in the show, his representation of ADHD is far superior to what he did in the books. Yeah, I guess we live and learn. Yeah, there, there's absolutely some live and learn, and that, hey, that's... Live and learn and then get meds. I think <laughs> I think that that is sort of a unique case because it's an author taking on their own work as opposed to, like, a different set of people engaging with the author's work. Yes. So it's not fanon per se, but it's it's more like it's it's a rev- it's a revision. It's a sort of a this is like older and wiser sort of you know looking back on one's own thing and 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 redoing it. I'm trying to find a fandom where I can just be like, yeah, there's elements of this show that's ass because usually most of what comes to mind for me is that is shows rather than books that I've read. Same for me. And I'm too, also not gonna piss people off. For me, it's the Harry Potter fandom. I spent way too much time in that fandom. I, 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 I eventually like I kind of joined it just for the fanfics when I was like fourteen ish. Um, but then I, I gradually was like, okay, JKR. I mean, this is this is even before the the transphobia and anti-Semitism reared their ugly heads. But like, um, we were just like, oh, this is like, this is not well written. We can change this. We can we can do whatever um, we want with it. And like the people who wrote canon compliant fanfic of Harry Potter, we were like, a lot of us kind of regarded them like we respected them, but like we kind of regarded them as like, oh, you're 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 you're, you're a bit too stuffy. You're 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 not quite. <laughs> you're not taking enough liberties. You viewed them as like almost aristocratic. Not perhaps like because like these these people I guess stuffy is not maybe not necessarily the right word but like they're they're like it ended up being like born because like there were so there so were so many clear flaws that needed to be corrected in the text so it's like the the fanon was the fanon elements were often seen as sort of a correction of the inherent defects of of the text and people would write like alternate universes upon alternate universes of like, of, of essentially what, what became their own characters um, in the end. And there were, there were a lot of instances. There were so, so many instances where like the characters were distorted to an unrecognizable degree, (laughs) but all in service of the author's like vision, you know? Yeah, I think if I had been uh, more online as a child, I probably would have also been... To be fair, you're also younger than me, so... I am younger, uh, and I also read the Harry Potter books at a much younger age. I was in first grade when I read those books. Oh, same, 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 same. Oh, yeah, so, like, if I had been more online or in that age, I probably would have delved straight into that, but... uh, 
I wasn't really. Um, the age of being online for me, well, that was a lot more occupied with Destiny, uh, and also Marvel was big at the time. Mm. Although I didn't, I, I never really gotten into the Marvel fandom. I don't know why. I I th- I may have said this before. I don't know if I've said this on the show or not, but I'm. I don't know why I was never into comics, why I've never gotten into them. Well, I know the reason as to why I'm not now. Uh, things cost money, and I read too fast for that. But the train of thought has left the station, and I am not on it. F. <laughs> what were we talking about? I think we were kind of in the transition from how important is canon to is fanon even that bad? Fanon? I mean... <sighs> Everyone immediately sucks in their breath. You know you've hit a funny topic. See, the thing is, like, it depends on the media. It depends on the media. I think we we, we sort of, we we touched on this. Like, it, if the canon is seen to have inherent flaws, then it makes it much easier to, I guess, disrespect the canon and, and make it your own. Because cause you think, oh, I can do a better job than these writers... I can, I can, I can make a better world. I can write better characters than these. So you're like, why don't I just freaking do it myself? That that is in fact a thought I have somewhat mm-hmm. frequently. But then again, like I think some some people realize. I mean, this is a bit of a digression, but I th- I think some people don't quite realize just how hard it is to actually do that. Um, and they they end up thinking, well, they they, they think that they can they can do a better job than than the original writers. But then they're like. Oh no! I, I mean, then, then that the result just becomes incomprehensible and worse than the original. But that's yeah, a digression. yeah. And sometimes you end up writing Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, oh. and then <laughs> what? Oh, that that. Oh that boy! Train wreck. Okay, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality is a. Harry Potter fanfic that basically started a cult. What? Okay, there's this old forum called Less Wrong that is all about rationalism. Uh, You may want to define what that is. As in uh, the idea that the world would be a lot better if people would just reject emotion and only care about facts and logic. I think the less wrong ah, form was started by Shapiro. the guy who, who like actually like did the thing because his 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 username on yes. fanfiction.net was less wrong. It so is like, the same guy. Yeah, or, I mean, like he started the forum. I think in concurrence yeah. with the fic. Yes, yes. Uh, so Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality is a rewrite of Harry Potter. If Harry Potter was a rationalist. And by rationalist, we mean <laughs> a complete self-obsessed dickwad who talks like he's 25 going on 55 and is completely condescending to every single character because he was raised by a scientist. Like, what if Petunia Dursley mar- married a scientist and raised harry potter in like this way and this way and that way and then it's like no you can't you can have like magic disobeys conservation of mass or whatever it it, it, it goes completely so far up its mm-hmm. own end that it, it 
it sort of becomes a self-parody. I haven't well, read it, but this is all just I've, what I've heard. I've only read Experts, but I've heard it talked about at least a couple times. Uh, it actually came up recent, recently on this, this past week's um, Behind the mm. Bastards episodes. Oh, really? Yes. How so? Oh, no. Because, okay, so Robert Evans was talking about um, how Silicon Valley has spawned a cult around AI. Oh, that And the roots fucking... of that are in the Less Wrong forums. Oh, God. Which were basically created around around the Harry Potter fanfic, or concurrently with this Harry Potter fanfic. Calling it a Harry Potter fanfic is generous. Because <laughs> it's essentially an extended soapbox. It's an extended We are talking soapbox. about what is the line between canon and fanon here, right? That's, that's, that's this true. Is, this is a case where maybe he should have filed off the serial numbers and just made his own thing. Yeah. But he, I think he just decided to piggyback off the popularity of the yeah. Harry Potter fandom at the time. Yeah. Like, I guess now if he, he, he made it, it would, or mid-2010s, if he, if he had written it then, it would be like, it would be probably off the MCU or some shit, because that, yeah. that shit was popping off. Maya, you might be familiar with the idea of Roko's Basilisk. I'm familiar with it, yeah. That came out of Less Wrong. <laughs> the only the only reason I know about Roko's Basilisk is because of Rational Wiki. I know about it from Kyle Hill. Uh, anywho, so I know now that I can uh, blame everyone misunderstanding machine learning on this bastard. Oh God, you're right. You can, you can you're kind right. of also. F- me, you're right. That's depressing. <laughs> I so think depressing. less wrong is also how Elon Musk and Grimes met. Oh God. Oh. Okay, so for the listeners who don't know, machine learning is the actual proper name for, like, 99% of what most people these days call AI. There is no intelligence. It is just really advanced mathematics that is doing probability junk. Yeah. I mean, people used to call it machine learning, but then they were like, oh, we're going to call it AI to, like, to, like, to drum up cash, to get investors, to get public hype. And it's just like, but anyway, this is kind of a digression anyway. Yeah, um, honestly, I only even really care about it, because I'm, I'm in fluid mechanics now, and, uh, it's useful for that, and but anyway, this is why we can't have good methods things. Methods of rationality, um, <laughs> it is, it is completely, it, it becomes, like, you have all the characters in it, like, you have, you have Harry Potter, you have Ron Weasley, you have Hermione Granger, you have, I think he, I think Harry, or the, the, it really, it's wrong to call him Harry Potter because he's not Harry Potter. He's 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 essentially a sock puppet. He's Mister Less Wrong. Yeah, he's he's Eliezer Yudkowsky, speaking through the 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 fictional construct of Harry Potter to to sort of put all these 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 irrational like emotionalists in their place to to prove to them like why why. Rationalism is morally superior, guys, and, and, oh god, there's a passage where it's like, I don't know, the, the only passage I remember really is like, it's not even connected to, to the, the rationalist bullshit, it's like, there's, uh, essentially the, the, the Harry in the fanfic is like, essentially threatens to rape Luna Lovegood or something, and I, I can't remember why, 
but it was just tossed off so casually and it's it's frankly disgusting and what the the yeah i think he either that or it was like jenny or something there there was like like like, shut up or i'm gonna like you know essay you i guess i always already said rape so i it was in like a later chapter i think but it was like it was completely emblematic of the kind of person who was writing the fic. Wow. Uh, I don't know why I find that shocking. <laughs> and yet... The internet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah. Oh you know, God. My Immortal doesn't sound quite so bad in comparison anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, my immortal's quite, and we talk, we talk. Let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about Speaking my immortal because like, <laughs> actually, that that is like that is an interesting example of like of like fanon at least in the Harry Potter family because you have like the sort of sympathetic the sympathetic portrayal of like Draco Malfoy which got which began in like the early two thousands with Cassandra Clare and the Draco in leather pants thing which I think it's still called Drake the trope is called Draco in leather pants on. Um, mm-hmm on tv tropes and it's because it's it's like how can we like how can we sort of like we see the this character we the fans see this character as like unfairly depicted in the story even though like they're depicted in the story as they're supposed to be because this is the author and the author's world's is by the office but i guess like some people felt that it was like inconsistent with like i don't know some people's version of like there's various reasons i'm I'm not even gonna try to speculate on why they made actually this relates to uh, one of our pre-recording conversations that uh led to you <laughs> describing your taste as better than mine um <laughs> uh not better but Thank you to the Harry Potter fanfic writers who invented Draco and leather, leather pants because that led to Ianthe Tridentarius. Yay. Did people do that to Ianthe? No, that's She's the She's explicitly written as a female Draco in leather pants. But then it wouldn't be a Draco in leather pants because that's, that's sort of like a metatextual thing. And whereas this is in the text. So it's like... It, an author can't really do a fan interpretation of their own work, can they? Well, except for the Rick Riordan self-revision stuff. It's like, but like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yanthe's interpretation of the world is very different from uh, most of the rest of the people at uh, Canaan House. And just to clarify for the listeners, we're talking about the locked tomb. I mean, I guess if you've listened to enough episodes of this podcast, you probably know that already, but... <laughs> Whatever. Oops. Yeah, Ian and I are very normal enough about the locked tomb that it comes up often enough. And unfortunately, I cannot be part of your little club. And unfortunately for you, Dylan's not here today. We try to restrain ourselves more when Dylan's here because he's also not part of the club. <laughs> you have more respect for him than for me? You're not here every, almost every week. Well, that's true, but I'm I'm still a human being. I mean, it has taken us more than half an hour of recording time to actually bring oh, it up. That's true. So. That is that is that is quite a long time. Restraint. Yes. 
magical. No, I'm just ribbing you guys. I'm. Uh, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. We, we get it. It's, okay, okay. Hopefully, you can it's hear fun. me smiling. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you were talking about Ianthe Tridentarius. Well, mostly just because you mentioned the Draco Malfoy in leather pants, which um, yeah. the authors mentioned as an inspiration for I guess that Ianthe. Is, that's interesting. I, I guess it's like, because like, I don't know. You have the Draco and Leather Pants stuff, which is explicitly, well, it's it's meant to sort of, it's be like, like a, a fan redemption of an otherwise bad or antagonistic character. And then you have the converse, which is Ron the Death Eater, I think also taking from Cassie Clare's work in the Harry Potter fandom in the early 2000s. I am not quite sure. But essentially Wait, it's up. like... Cassandra Clare is in... Uh... Yes, that Cassandra Clare. The same I one. Have, I have several of those books on my bookshelf behind me. Granted, the Mortal Instruments? Behind... Yeah. Uh, oh, oh my god, you don't know the story? Oh, you have... Honey, you got a big storm coming. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm, I'm going to send <laughs> you the again. links. I'm going to send you the links to the Cassie Clare shit. Like, that is the same... Like, she, she writes her last name a bit differently, obviously, with an I... Or without an I instead of an, with an I. But, like, that is the same Cassandra Clare. She wrote fi- Harry Potter fanfic in the early 2000s, and then she became a professional author in the 2010s. And, yep. There's so much there. There's so much there. I, you don't I even had know. Heard, it is I had deep. heard, like, hints of rumors of her having been involved in fandom stuff and some drama. She was but a big-name fan back in the day. Wow. I... She, she had basic. She had almost a cult of personality, like around her. She had like a cadre of like people who, like fellow fans who like essentially, kind of worshipped her. I mean that's that's not uncommon these days in um, fandoms. That's Coralaran, um, couple of folks uh, in Arcane. Uh, there's there's been a lot of instances of cults of personality. Do you want do you want to talk about Curl de la Rain? Yeah, that one. Curl de Rain, uh, I guess. I'm not quite sure how to say Mr. The name. British. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who aren't familiar with the Ruby fandom, there is a pretty well-known and very prolific uh, fan fiction author, Kur Alran, who writes fan fiction that's primarily set in the first three volumes of the show. And I do feel like I have to start this off by saying I don't really like him. I'm not a fan of his work. Is this to set up like, but you got to respect the hustle? (laughs) No, I don't even respect the hustle. Uh, I do respect his technical ability. The, The writing that he puts out at an impressive rate is generally free of mechanical errors, and that is not necessarily super easy. If all you care about is it doesn't have mechanical errors, then... But why don't you tell the listeners, our dear listeners, what it is exactly about Coeur d'Aran's, um fanfic, alleged fanfic, that um, <laughs> that makes him a topic of, of conversation for this podcast. Yeah, he is, well, I will also say he is pretty controversial. I don't know many folks that think kind of mid of him. Most folks either love him or hate him. I think he's a bit of a bitch. And Why? All um, 
mildly lighthearted swearing aside, he writes stories that are, to me, I feel kind of samey. He writes, Jean uh, gets the girl. Essentially, Chad Jean. Based Chad Jean. <laughs> it's, it's not even really a Jean that has ever been present in the show. Uh, this like He pretty clearly ignores the text of the show and the way Jean is written to get the Jean of... He, he gives Jean, basically, a new job and a new girl to chase for each plot that he tells. Aren't a lot of his fics harem fics as well? So, like, it's not just one girl, it's, like, multiple? I don't know about that. It's been a long, long time since I read any more. I, it's been... I'm pretty sure I don't know if he's harem stuff. I think he does have some harem stuff, but I think he also has a mixture of harem and specific genre shipping. Monogamous genre shipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. But essentially, what, what you're saying is that, like, Corderon's sort of um, mode of operation is to essentially flanderize, exaggerate, um, the characteristics of Jean so much that he becomes totally and utterly divorced from the canon character of Jean Arc and essentially becomes a vehicle for the author's own characters. And here we, I think we get into the OC Terminator line. Yeah. Um, th this, this is a good uh, setup because I think honestly, the queer all around's material would be improved if it were, if he were just writing original content, um, I don't think it would be as successful because a good chunk of the draw is, ah, yes, these are characters from hit show Ruby. Yummy. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the same thing with Methods of Rationality. He like, could have written an, an, a, um, an original story, but he decided to piggyback off the success of the Harry Potter fandom. And so Coeur d'Arrens basically... Use, using the, the Ruby name to, to make his, his brand. And, I mean, I can't throw that much shade because, I mean, that's part of what I do as an author is I don't really want to write and tell my own stories because it's a lot of effort to set up that kind of investment uh, and ain't nobody got time for that. I have a day job and it's not writing and it's actually also not the podcast. If only we lived in a society where one could write more often. I probably wouldn't actually write all that much because I would still would fill my time doing inane shit. But <laughs> yeah, and like there's only so oh, yeah, there's only so same. productive one person can necessarily be. Like I I, I have a I have a, a sort of a friend who is trying to make it a sort of a freelance professional writer, and it's not. It, it, I'm just like writing as a full time job does not sound great either. I mean, she she can do it. It seems, but. It's like some people like have have stories to tell, but not necessarily like all the they don't have like a whole lot of stories to tell. And their 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 product, their pace is rather slow. And that's me because I work very, very slowly. <laughs> it's understandable. Um, a couple of the folks, a couple of the other folks we've had on the podcast and uh, at least one person we are trying to get on the podcast are in the same boat of yeah. trying to get published or in the they're, process of it. They're like freelance authors. Yeah, Riley has uh, put a couple books out. We've talked about those before. Impressive. Uh, or we'll put one book out, uh, and I believe they're all self-published. 
uh, from Riley. Cam is attempting to get a book published at some point. I don't know the exact status right now, but I know that's something that she's been trying, and I hope she succeeds at. But in any case, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the uh, original content Terminus line. Not Terminus, f yeah. Terminator. I, for some reason, when I originally coined the phrase, uh, I was thinking of Terminus, but it, it is actually Terminator. Uh, is the name of the line, which is the, the day-night line. I don't know why I got Terminus. I... Eh. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially the, the same sort of concept, so... Whatever. It's the line at which it would probably be, be more artistically sound, perhaps? Uh, more, more advantageous to... Uh, to sort of scrape the um, the identifying the the fanish characteristics off of a work and um, present it as original work because the proportion of original content has become high enough that it doesn't necessarily need the the either the baggage or the trappings of an established like other media thing to hang on carry it yeah yeah and sometimes i mean it's it gets the case where you're writing something and there, there's a couple of stories that i want to tell that i cannot tell as fan fiction and and they're actually why i got started writing fan fiction because they're stories that i want to tell but um the last couple times i've tried to tell them i haven't really been able to get very far um just i'm Granted, for some of these stories, the last time I tried to write them was a decade ago. So it's been a minute. But I got into it to want to improve my stamina and capacity to write because I wasn't happy with how I was able to tell the stories. I thought they deserved better. I, I won't have a way I can fit the stories into the characters or the worlds of what I write fanfic about. It just, there's no way to fit it. Like, I, for me, I, if I were to try and do that, it would make the story worse. It, it would genuinely have significant deleterious effect on what I'm trying to do. I think there's something in there about potentially like the two two sort of ends of a spectrum when it comes to like writing fan fiction um and it's like one the thing that you posted or the thing that you sort of postulated which was the the fact that you have stories to tell and you're like and you mentioned sort of fitting them sorry you mentioned fitting them in to an existing sort of mold or framework of an existing fandom and i and i think that's one end of the spectrum and I, then i think the other end is engaging with a work is sort of the the opposite of that the sort of converse of that and you engage with the work and then the the story you want to tell arises out of the initial the initial narrative the initial characters the the characters so they can't really necessarily be separated from from the uh 
from the original property. And I, th- I think there are degrees along that spectrum, of course, but... Yeah, that's part of why, for one of them, actually, why I can't fit them into fanfictions, because the, the because characters they there exist are, already Yeah, they of... exist already, they're pretty important, and uh, they really reveal a lot about me now that I didn't consciously understand as, you know, a 12-year-old. Right, that makes and sense. And I'm like, wow, I really was a lesbian. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I I think with me, like, I don't really write a whole lot of fanfic. Like, the vast majority of my fanfic tends to be, like, sort of... It's because of a love of certain, like... Like, a love of a certain story or universe or characters. And so I try to, like... And the impulse to write fanfiction arises from that rather than like from any desire to like, Oh, I want a story about this and this and this, what fandom can I do it for? It's, it's not necessarily that. And I think, I think one can have both like a story idea that one wants to fit into a fandom, but then also like have ideas that are born out of the love of that thing, that fandom. And I think it can also, it can also sort of, the two can also be kind of combined because I, well, to go back to the Harry Potter fandom, which is not something I like to say very often, <laughs> to go back to the Harry Potter fandom, I am going to show my whole ass on this podcast something that I, I, I am loath to do, but for a little while, towards the end of my engagement in the fandom, I want to say like 2019, 2020, I wrote and read a lot of Bellamione, Bellatrix and Hermione, that ship but the thing is like that the my my love for that ship back then was not predicated on necessarily like strict fandom adherence like far from it that that ship that ship does not that that ship does not exist without fan creates fan sort of differentiation from the canon because the the two characters in the canon there is no way in heaven or earth that they would get together, but in uh, can, I, fandom, can I roast you for a sec? Yeah, yeah, you would be a Bellatrix shipper. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. That, that makes that makes a lot of sense. But the thing is, like, what 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 I what I did when I wrote, like, I wrote like a, a couple little vignettes, um, maybe just one. No, I wrote a couple little thicklets, um, like involving that ship. But the thing is, I wasn't I wasn't doing it out of I wasn't doing it out of a love of the canon, I was doing it out of a love for other fan works. It's sort of, in a sense, it was piggybacking off of others' sort of differentiation from the canon. And I think, I think fanon is, was, was a big part of that because, because while recognizing that there were like, incredible differences from from the canon I, I think what what i what i liked about it was just like the fact that it was still like something that i don't know if i'm making any sense here but like it was i was i was piggybacking off of fanon but i was using that as the sort of as if i would a canon if that makes it like like both of both my oh, little yeah, no, were sense. sort of responses to 
other people's Bellamyony fix that I liked. And I I felt that like, oh, this could this could easily fit in like the the universe of like this fanfic, which I really liked. And so like this fanfic by another person that I really liked. Yeah. I mean I've I've also done fanfic of fanfic. I completely get that. I think it's uh, and I'm also process. gonna sh- I'm also going to show a little bit of my own ass here uh, in return for roasting you in that what I just posted there, um, there's a brain worm that I've had since, again, I was probably about 12, 14 at the time when I read that series. Oh, it's been freaking ages since I thought about that series. I think I read like the first two books or something. Yeah, and it's and that. That's based off of, like, the seventh book or something. It's not the seventh book. It's, it's late in the series. I think it's the sixth book, actually. Yeah, then I definitely the wouldn't book. have. The Septimus Heap series, for everyone listening who can't see uh, our chat log. Yeah, and that was... I, I would, yeah, I would I, call I that a characters. <laughs> fairly similar overall um, vibe to Bella Myony. Oh, valid. Like... Two characters who, in canon, would not, in any way, be a couple, but technically, in canon, they kissed. Oh, interesting. Well, that that, that sure is more than I my 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 former ship had going for it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally carving her name into her arm, <laughs> or not her name. Sorry, that's another thing. <sighs> anyway. It's, it's something that would never have happened. Um, I I just... That wasn't the story the author was telling. One of those characters is a fairly minor character who that's... Basically the last time she's... A major character. I, th- I think she shows up in one other book. And that's it. Which which always disappointed me. I, I, I was always kind of at odds with the way that uh, Angie Sage took that. I mean, it makes sense. I, I understand what she was going for, but remember, I was an edgy little lesbian at the age of 13. I liked the spooky things. Uh, and we wonder why I liked uh, The Locked Tomb. I don't wonder at all now. So, there's kind of one last thing in the script that I want to talk to, and we've kind of mentioned it a little bit, is where do we like to draw the line with canon and fanon? Like... In terms of maybe what we go looking for when we go reading, what we write, uh, if we do write, that kind of thing. How do you mean? That's an excellent question, because I wrote that, like, an hour plus ago, and for reference, we're about an hour into the recording, and I have no idea what I meant either. Um, I think it's, like, in terms of what we prefer do we want something that's more canon compliant do we want something that's more influenced by fanon you know that kind of thing talking about what we enjoy and uh that kind of differentiation Mm -hmm. i think yeah i guess actually ian do you want to go first oh boy um i I have i have stuff i want to talk about but you can go first let's prod ian for content (laughs) Let's milk him till he's dry. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shan't say. I'm gonna have to explain to my parents why I laughed to that. So, Ian, prodding you for content on where you like to draw the line between 
uh, canon and fanon in fan content? I I wouldn't necessarily say that I have a hard and fast line on this. It's really whether or not I like the changes or not. I'm not all that interested in reading 12 more billion stories about Chad John. That's totally fair. On the other hand, uh... You want to read more about Chad Iante? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you were saying I kind of interrupted there. And, yeah, the train of thought has left the station. That's fair. I mean, I I can pick it up if you want. No, actually, go ahead. Right. uh, I'm not necessarily interested in a lot of stories about Chad John, but I can read, like, one well done. Or I suppose I'm a lot more accepting of stories that deviate characterization if I'm very invested in, like, the setting. What sort of examples might... I would say that if a series presents a world that I would be interested in running a D&D campaign in, uh, I can accept variation in characterization a lot more easily. Right, because you're Just more because... invested in the setting. Exactly. Does that make sense? I it's it's a lot easier to just mentally, you know, accept that. Okay, this isn't this character from the show. This is some other character who just coincidentally has the same name. Right. Yeah. Uh, for me, there's uh, it, there's also quite a bit of depending on what the changes are. There's some, like, Miraculous Ladybug, where I am generally going to be more interested in uh, divergences from canon in the characterization, how the characters are written, because there's parts where I think the writers did something less interesting with the characters. They did it... So, I've mentioned this before, I've complained about it before, I'm probably going to whine about it again. Um, there's a character, Miraculous Ladybug, where the authors are trying to tell a message with the story... And they kind of started giving her something of what could have been the start of a redemption arc. And they realized that doesn't comply with the messaging they want to tell. And so they change it. They stop it there. And I was invested in potentially seeing that character uh, learn to not be a jackass. And learn to be a better human being. And so I'm more interested in fanfics where that happens, because that's what's interesting to me. The the writers are off doing their own cool thing. Um, It's the the Top Gear meme, where that's all very cool, and there's, you know, a good car, but I like this, and it's a garbage car. That's me. Um, So I guess (laughs) what you would say is it depends on what you perceive as shortcomings or deficiencies in the text. Uh, yeah, it depends on that. It depends on what I think is interesting. Um, right, that too, yeah. To uh, speak about Ruby again, and Cam, if you are listening, stop! <laughs> I am not going to be responsible for spoiling you. Um, this is spoilers for Volume 9. Nice. I would have preferred if Jean stayed old. I think that would have been more interesting. You and a few other people. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not the only on person that, that thinks that. I I would have liked to to see him. You know, sex up with. I've gotten old. Um, <laughs> that would have been really funny. And I may or may not be looking for crack fix of that later because I think Weiss's reaction would be hilarious. Girl doesn't have enough daddy issues. Let's give her some more. Exactly. But I that that's what I think would be interesting. The Ruby Raiders didn't go with it, um, probably because they kind of still want Jean to be a main character, and maybe they have intentions of shipping him with someone else in the main cast. I don't know. Who can say at this point? I'm not in the Ruby Raider. Yeah, I, I'm. I am not a member of Kruby. I'm not certain whether I should say fortunately or unfortunately. Let's just leave it at you're not a member of Kruby. Yeah, um, you know, I think I'll say fortunately because as a grad student, I'm pretty certain I'd get paid more. Yeah, sorry, Rooster Teeth, you earned that one. I think, hmm, I think I'll pick it up here, maybe, unless you have other stuff to say. Nothing terribly important, mostly rambling. Uh, there, there's a lot of fan and stuff I don't like. <clears throat> I can't think of any specific names right now, but uh, I guarantee you it's out there. That's fair. I guess for me, like, I I would say I have similar sort of, um, li- I think, I imagine this is probably the case for a lot of fans, like, what they, where they draw the, the lines with certain media and with certain, with certain changes, certain fanon and other aspects. It's, one deficiencies or shortcomings in the text that you want to see rectified and two stuff that you would just feel would be more interesting or or perhaps just as interesting but that hasn't happened in the text um like for instance i mean i i am within the 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 ruby fandom i am a an ardent devotee of the fan fanon theory that ruby's parentage is not actually what the um what the 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 canon has 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 shown heretofore and is instead her mother's still summer but her her dad is instead raven bronwyn i know that doesn't make sense but i mean consider this is a universe in which like it's got magic. Yeah, if, like if you're gonna be a bitch IPS about cells, two women having a child. Yeah, like who cares? The magic. reason and the reason that I like that option is that it's potentially more interesting than the canon option, and also I just ship Rosebird massively. Um, it's just a very interesting and compelling ship to me. Rosebird being Raven and Summer. And I think that I also think that that Ruby's Ruby, the the Rosebird parents theory, um, as I and a few other people have taken to calling it, is it, it allows for some really interesting stuff to be done with like future reveals and also sort of thematically um, in conjunction with like Ruby's arc in the story and her relationship to like those who came before her um, and like. Again, this is not to denigrate Tai Yang. I love Tai Yang, but like Raven's just a bit more interesting. <laughs> and but 
but that's just with regards to like what I feel like I I don't I don't I don't dislike what we have been presented in the canon with like like Tai Yang being Ruby's dad, but it's it's just like it's the sort of second thing where and then the first in the first count the perceived deficiencies or shortcomings in the canon. I guess if I if I were to take um, another example like the Orphan Black fandom, um, there was a character who. Um, there was there were several i would say there were several fumbles on the part of part of the writers so a lot of the um the fan fiction activity that i and many of the people many of the authors i read um back in the day a lot of our fanfic activity was sort of um patching those holes or um coming up with more interesting ways of of fulfilling a story arc like for example the whole, I don't know, there was this conflict between, like, uh, essentially the the lesbian juggernaut, I guess the sapphic juggernaut ship of the story, being broken up in season three, um, Cosima and Delphine, and then Cosima is like, yeah, I'm gonna go date, and then she she has, a like, a thing with this, this woman named Shay, and there was, I mean, there was, there was a whole, I mean, thing with, like, Cosima slash Shea shippers and Koshima slash Delphine Kofine shippers in the fandom and it got ugly but and then for those of us who liked both ships but wanted to sort of resolve the conflict and sort of also kind of I guess resolve what we we, we saw as like the deficiencies of the show um with regard to there, there were also issues in like especially seasons five but also season two about like how Cosima and Delphine's relationship with Handles, we decided to write fanfics about like what if Cosima, Delphine, and Shay like were in a polyamorous relationship and like how that would work. And like whether that would ho- hopefully that would solve the the sort of the seemingly intractable problems that had been presented in canon. And I guess that's just one example that I could come up with. There's there's so many other examples, but um just to just to round it out, I, I have I have, <laughs> I have recently not really all that recently, but like kind of recently, sort of my my most recent two largest fan, fandom fanfic projects have been what if this character was trans? And that's not necessarily like an indictment of the story itself. Like I love, I love for example, uh, Ghost Nichelle and Turn A Gundam, but like. I think like what if what if the main characters were trans is a really interesting direction to sort of take my fan fiction in and it's sort of it's it's both it's both reasons because like but it's also like I can't really hold it against like Shiro Masamune or Kamiyama Kenji or Tomino Yoshiyuki that they decided to like you know not make these characters trans because it's like this was this was these were like twenty years ago in Japan, and so like they wouldn't have they wouldn't have, and so like I can accept that, but it's it's a case of like I think it might make the story better for me and my sort of indulgent tastes personally because I'm trans and I want to have more trans stories, but also like <laughs> trans rep that is very specifically what I 
like sort of grok and am drawn to, which is not always the case with all trans rap and stories. Like so often it's just not quite something that I gravitate towards. And so these, this, this fanon is essentially um, the, the dividing line, the, the, the way I'm able to embrace this, this, um, these alterations from canon is that it's something that is, not necessarily better, but perhaps more fun and fulfilling for me as the author and as well as the potential reader. Because it's like I seek out this stuff, but like nobody's written it yet. That's the thing. I write the, I write I write this stuff because nobody's written it yet. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean the the one I posted, I there are two fixed total that come up for that relationship. And it's background and about, like, 30 words for the other fic. So much of fanfiction writing, I feel, is, it doesn't exist. Is anyone else gonna make it? No? Fine. I'll do it myself. Do we have really anything else we want to mention here? Was there anything else on the script? Uh, no, this was the last uh, thing written in the script. We are also... Well over an hour of recording time. Good. <laughs> so. Do we have anything in the mailbag? Nothing in the mailbag today. So if any of you listening want to chime in about your own opinions on canon and fanon, our email address is fanfictapes at gmail.com. You can also leave us a comment on our YouTube channel. Uh, we also appreciate if you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to this show. You can also reach out to us on social media. We do have a Twitter. Maya runs that account. Yes. Uh, at Fanfiction Tapes is the at, capital F, capital T, no dashes or spaces in the at. Uh, I post shit posts and uh, sometimes about when episodes are going to release. Uh, if I remember, sometimes if there is news about episode releases, if they're delayed for whatever reason, I'll post that there. And sometimes there'll be a little bit about uh, something behind the scenes, like actually what happened today during this recording. So, Elizabeth. Do you have any social media or other works you would like to promote here? Well, I would like to promote my YouTube channel, which has my fan songs on it, um, it and other original music as well. Um, it's at agogobell28 um, at YouTube, um, and the link will be in the description, I assume. Yes. Um, but... I also would like to promote my AO3 profile. And, I mean, now that I'm actually writing stuff after being incredibly unproductive for years and years, um, my AO3 profile is also a go -go, a go -go bell 28 And I will uh, drop the link in the chat for y'all. Um, and there is... There are, there's a Ghost in the Shell standalone complex fanfic on it. There's actually a Heisei Godzilla ficlet that I wrote 
back in December, um, just on the spur of the moment because I thought of something. And then there's also my older stuff for Orphan Black, for Harry Potter, for other stuff. I really need to watch Ghost in the Shell. Watch yes. the movie first, the 95 movie first. And then if you like it, watch Standalone Complex. All right. I'll I'll put that on the list. Uh, Wonderful. There's a... I uh, usually watch stuff with Steamed, and we've been reaching near the end of uh, Miraculous Ladybug, so... Mm. We're gonna, we were going to need to subject ourselves to something soon, and... Uh, the movie is a tight, like, 83 good. minutes, and it's incredible. I, I can attest to the fact that it is incredible. It's 83 minutes, it's amazing. And then, if you like it, you can subject yourself to the 52 episodes and a movie of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, if you so desire. Which is also incredibly good. Yeah. Uh, uh, if I recall correctly, the movie and standalone complex are different continuities. No, correct? the the movie Solid State Society, which is the um, which was going to be the third th- third season of Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. You have you have first season, which is twenty six episodes. Second gig, which is twenty six episodes. Oh, I I meant the the ninety five movie. Right, the, the Oshiverse. You have with that. The the only follow up to that is Innocence, which came out in two thousand four and is a trip. Uh, <laughs> I I don't recommend Yo, it unless you're really into Ghost in the Shell. I, I haven't seen trips that. sound like fun. It's um, it's good, but it's also weird. I like but, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think either Ian or I could enjoy the locked tomb if we didn't. Anywho, that is enough Locked Tomb posting for an episode that is not about the Locked Tomb. <laughs> Don't you already have, like, one or two episodes on the Locked Tomb? Uh, officially, we only have one episode on the Locked Tomb so far. Unofficially, every other episode has been about the Locked Tomb. Unofficially, many episodes have been about the Locked Tomb. Well, anyway. Anyway. I am... And have been Maya, and today I was joined by... Elizabeth. I am... I was the guest. And I am Ian. Until next time, bye. Bye.